top. He is an absolute legend of the game. This is your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Yeah, thank you, Brian, and... uh... Good morning, Australia everywhere, and I've got a real treat for you today because this is your football life unearths the stories of some of football's greatest names. Where are they now? And remembering their days and finding out what makes them tick. Our special guest today was no slouch. He played 169 games from the Saints. Brownlow medalist, 1958. Many of us weren't even born. Well, I was, but you weren't. Represented Victoria 11 times. Yes, they had state games and they were a big affair back then. All Australian, 1958 in his Brownlow year. St Kilda team of the century, centre-half back. Inducted into the inaugural St Kilda Best and Ferris 2003. And life member of the Australian Football Media Association in 2005. My special guest, Neil Roberts. Lovely to see you here, Neil. Good on you, Rex, and it's good to see you in such fine form. Oh, well, I broadcast and you played footy, and you played it pretty well. You're looking marvellous. Look, uh, without... Uh... I just want to say, Rex, uh, I've had a lot of introductions in my time, but that would have to be the most recent. Well, the thing about it is I reckon the best introduction you'll get is at your funeral, but you won't hear it. <laughs> on another story and on another program, we might be able to mention the amount of blokes who die and become these wonderful fellas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yes. I had a bloke the other day say to me, who's in the box? He said, Where? I said, Gunther, a little bit quiet. The corpse. Um, where did it all start for you? Uh, you just weren't a fantastic athlete, a phys ed teacher, a centre-half back, big V representative, Brownlow medalist. It must have come sometime in your teens when you said, I can play this game and I can go a long way. Well, uh, it's funny, Rex. Uh, I wasn't much good at, you know, any sport. Um, I find that I, hard to believe. I, well, I was, <laughs> I was reasonable, but I, you know, I couldn't see a game that really I could use my skills. Um, um, I don't know that uh, I thought about football. I just played every sport available, and uh, but I was a, a bit of a high jumper. And uh, as a kid, I remember winning the, the state schools under 13 high jump four foot eight I jumped scissors scissor with no yeah. pit yeah with no <laughs> no pit oh, I thought you said pit yeah exactly the <laughs> anyway. problem about the scissor jump in those days if you uh, if your jock strap didn't uh, uh, <laughs> it was like bar. Sir Robert Helpman with the nude ballet dancing when the music stops everything else doesn't stop but anyhow continue on <laughs> <laughs> but here I was I was small yeah um, and I hadn't reached my second growth spurt, uh, growth spurt, of course, but <clears throat> it started, I think, one day, my dad came from England. He played soccer in Manchester, and he wasn't interested in footy, and I went to Hurlingham Park under his instructions to play soccer. And uh, Hurlingham Park's in Brighton, where East Brighton and Stewie played. Yeah. So... I went down there and I got the, the axe. The fella said, you're using your hands too much. Go and play that other game. Well, you know, soccer, you can't use your hands unless you're going to be a goalie. Goalie. I yeah. said, give us, a shot at, <laughs> give us a shot at being goalie. No well, good. Three broken noses later. <laughs> supposed to use your hands, not yeah, your I nose. Know that. That's right. But he told me not to use my hands. Anyway, I went over onto the park and here was Stan Rule. Stan Rule had just come back from the war. His skin was yellow. He'd had malaria. He looked a monster mm. in a Melbourne jumper. And he was kicking a football the length of the Hurlingham Park. And he said, look, 
play this game, mate. This is a good game. And he taught me how to kick. And then he taught me how to mark and do these things. And he took me under his wing. And, of course, from then on, I loved Melbourne. And I was going to be a Melbourne player. Were you really? Uh, but the line of demarcation went down the middle of our street, Elizabeth, oh. Elizabeth Street. So on the left, I was St Kilda. On the right, I was Melbourne. So, so I said to my father, can I go and live with a woman over the road for <laughs> six weeks? <laughs> and he wouldn't let me. Yeah. So I went and played with St Kilda, which was fortuitous because uh, Peter Bennett was at the Helsinki Games in 52 and he left the window open for me. Yeah. It's a shame I didn't use it. Yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, the one-liners are fantastic. St Kilda at the time were playing at the Junction Oval there at St Kilda. So yeah. St Kilda playing at St Kilda before their historical move to Moorabbin. Uh, tell us about your early years at St Kilda and first of all, how did the approach come from them considering you're in their zone? Well, I, I won the uh, Newbury Cup, which is the best and fairest for the amateurs. Did you? Yeah. Uh, and I kicked 100 goals and... The grounds were so short, Rex. I mean, yeah. you know, a spillage out of the centre and it's almost in the full four's hands. Yes. But we had wonderful rovers and they used to punch it down my neck. And uh, so they wanted a full forward, so they asked me to go. Yeah. And before that, I told you I was small. I didn't make the first 18 at Melbourne High School. I was too small. and Probably not good enough. But <clears throat> anyway, I had a growth spurt and I grew 11 inches in 20 months. And you got tall as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Uh, no, no, keep straight. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you, you've upset my day now. <laughs> I can't even remember. Anyway, <clears throat> matter of fact, my wife called that uh, called our waterbed Lake Placid the other day. And I thought, <laughs> but no, and, and I had this growth spurt, and I was a masseur at the time. I had 12 months massaging and uh, other people, and <laughs> <laughs> but it, it helped my development and it helped yeah. my hands. And I think in football, you've got to be strong from the elbow to the fingertips. Very important. You've got great movement when you're actually, you know, I know the people out there listening from Alice Springs down to Hobart can't see that, but I'm t you, <laughs> you look magnificent, you know, you, you, you're 81 in a couple of weeks' time, you must have some great memories, but there, were, there was a great move at uh, Junction Oval when they decided to try you uh, down Fourth. the back line yeah. after being up forward. Well, that, that, was a, that was my salvation. One day... Why I, is that? Well, I kicked, a, I kicked a magnificent goal from the wing one day, I had a howling northerly behind yeah. me, and uh, I thought this is good. And then I missed fourteen hundred from the goal square, so yeah. so I, I got this move. I think it was Alec Peake said, uh, put him to the back line, see how he goes. So I went back there, and I felt so comfortable there. Yeah. But it wasn't me. It was the fact that I had Eric Guy on one side and Jimmy wow. Guy on the other, Burden Howe behind me with Bud Annan and Brian Walsh. He's talking about some of the toughest nuts ever to play the game, let alone St Kilda. Well, I'm just saying uh, even Alf Brown admitted that we had fewer goals kicked against us than any other team in the league for five years. Yeah, and, and that wasn't from defence, that was from fright. Well, I suppose it was. Because you just but... had to look at Eric <laughs> and you had to look at Bud and that's another story. Well, and you'd, tell you, you'd be frightened in... <laughs> You know, keep the kids away from the fire. Uh, the move down back uh, was an instant success, but 55 was the real knockout year when you started to uh, show well, what you were made of. Third in the Brownlow and uh, playing for Victoria centre-half back, so you certainly uh, yeah. made your mark. Yes, well, that that was a, 
That was the biggest thing that ever happened to me, Rex. Was in it really? Those days. Yeah. Why? Because at St Kilda we played social football. Uh, we didn't have a winning culture. Yeah. When you went to St Kilda, you picked up four points, probably a shield and a good time, and get <laughs> home on Tuesday, you know. And yet, so, the, yet the the <clears throat> the term a couple of years ago that Hawthorne played unsocial, uh, unsociable football resulted in winning a flag. So you were saying you were the opposite. You just yeah. were too nice, were you? Uh, until Killigrew came along and he taught us... Alan Killigrew. Alan Killigrew taught us uh, self-belief. Yeah. And even introduced uh, the hand pass into our game. Yes. Uh, and we were bombarded the whole time. And, I, uh, you know, that back six was probably... We, we put the club into the starting blocks, I think. Uh, that started things. We, we had some famous victories down there. At the junction. Would you be able to say to young children that probably the greatest thing that they can actually take into themselves is self-belief? Is that so many of our kids, you know, and I I talk of confidence, because without self-belief, you can't be a team player. Absolutely. And the whole story is personal pride comes first. Yeah. Self-recognition, love, hate, money and loyalty to the group in that order. Yeah. And but personal pride, if you can't beat the bloke you're playing on, you're no good to anyone. Yeah, won your second best in Ferris in 1958. And for those people listening, this is two years after Melbourne's Olympics and two years after Australia got black and white television. So yeah. they were really, really days, you know, way back then. You might get a little bit of film at a, uh, at a picture theatre, but you might get five minutes on the ABC with the winners. But you won the Brownlow medal in 1958 and you're acting club captain because Brian Gleeson, who won the Brownlow the year before, wasn't... Uh, yeah. Yeah. wasn't available. Tell us about 58. What a what a standout year for you as a young athlete. Well, it was 58. <clears throat> Mind you, Rex, I was acting captain in 58. Um, we found it very hard to get publicity because we were a lowly club. Yeah. And Elf Brown, I asked him, why don't you come and see us? He said, when you do something, I will. You yeah, know. This is Elf Brown, the, the late chief football writer of yeah. the Herald Sun. So, yeah. so one day he said... He and he knew how to write, didn't he? He oh, could he poison Peña, couldn't he? Oh, of course. <laughs> but he went for the strong clubs. It was hard to get a word in. But we invited him down and he came. But someone pinched his parking spot out the front. Yeah. They wouldn't let him in because he didn't have the right ticket. Goodness. There wasn't no, there was no sugar on the tray for his wife's tea, what? and nowhere to put his his uh, typewriter, and we got beaten. So he never came back. A little bit precious, would you <laughs> think? The, oh wow! <laughs> 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 the only thing that didn't happen was that he, he didn't get a splinter in his backside from the stand. The legendary Neil <laughs> Coconut Roberts joins us on This Is Your Football Life, and don't get uh, worried there, Coco, because this is brought to us with the kindest regards of Tobin Brothers. Do you want a free sample? No, I don't. <laughs> now, Neil, every year hundreds of people take out a fixed-price funeral plan, plan. Now, you listen to this, or young Michael should, with Tobin Brothers Funerals, and by doing that, they have a peace of mind of knowing that regardless of how long they live, the price they pay today is fixed forever. So we'll give you a discount. Oh. So why not celebrate your life? with a fixed price funeral plan from Tobin Brothers Funerals. I might it, take you up on that. Well, you it know, is. I knew Alphonse Tobin. Did you really? Yeah, and every time he met, he was a state selector. Yeah. And every time he met you, he just <laughs> pulled out his measuring tape. Now, yeah. let's go to 1961. Uh, you're getting towards the end of your career. But amazingly, your first final appearance and St Kilda's first final appearance for 22 years, they were doldrum years. Uh, tell us about 61. You must have had some belief in yourself, that team. We did. With Killer grew at the home? No, no, no. Alan Jeans oh, came Jeansy in. Jeansy came. When time. did he come? 
He came then. Yeah, 61. Yeah. It was immediate sort of big buzz around the joint, was there? There, there was. Actually, um, 61 or 2, I'm not sure. Yeah. But, no, it was 61. And really, he didn't know anything about finals, and we hadn't visited either. The only time we played on the G was when we played a, a Lightning Premiership or played Melbourne. Yeah. So we knew nothing about finals. And uh, as it turned out, Hawthorne softened us up. We had a good side. Um, and Steve, Bill Stevenson, he was uh, on fire. And Morrow and the Ruxy, we had some good players. So, But Hawthorne regarded us as the strongest team in the finals. So they softened us up big time at uh, Linton Street. Did they really? Yeah, they broke uh, Roy Apted's leg. Um, Eric Guy got a, the worst corky of all time. Verdon Howell had, uh, st- he had a stomach uh, injury. So if you're talking about Hawthorne, who, about who, Hawthorne. Who, who were their instigators of the biff? Yeah, who were they? Yeah. All of them. All of them. Yeah. This was and Kennedy's commander. This yeah. was after that uh, summer where he ran them up the hills and yeah. down around Percy Ceres joined Portsea and they were eating broken glass on their cornflakes. Yes, and yeah. that's true. And yeah. if, uh, if John Kennedy Sr. could have jumped the field and been on it too, he'd have, he'd have been and there And he'd too. have thrown so the overcoat over the umpire yeah. and given one himself. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, no, they did soften us up. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not making excuses. We got to within 11 points or something. Footscray beat us, but we were, we mucked it. Yeah. And it was an opportunity lost. Um, and that was the start of Alan Jeans' career. He yeah. took a long time to develop as a coach. He got some good players in Stewart and Bonnie and... Cool. And Bulldog and fellas like that. Yeah. And the team developed. Morrow stayed on. Dittrich continued. Wow. And Some names they, there. They had, a, they had a good team. In 65, they missed out because Alan Morrow broke his ankle. Um, and then, bang, of In 66. And it's still the only one. Neil yeah. Roberts has been good enough to join us on This Is Your Football Life. It's break time right around the nation. So, realize, join us after this as we continue with Neil Roberts' career this time off the field to become a media legend and also a fantastic saviour of our wildlife, particularly down in the Antarctic area. Right around Australia, this is your football life with Neil Coconut Roberts. You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. And with Neil Roberts. And uh, I've got a couple of calls during the break of why do you call him coconut? Well, I'll ask you, where did the term coconut? I think it was your your crew cut, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. In those days, Peter Bennett played, uh, you know, Olympic water polo yeah. he went to three Olympics he played in two and coached one but he was the first to have the, the crew cut yeah. you know? and uh, I played at, no good but I played amateur um, uh, water polo uh, with Middle Brighton and I thought oh, I'll have a crew cut myself and we had a down the cricket club we always went to the cricket club bar after the games and we had a fellow called Jack Closey a very funny yeah. Irishman and he said oh have a look at your head. It looks like a shaven coconut. So, and, and, it's, it's stuck. and it's stuck. It's stuck. It was like reason. Sam Newman when, uh, you know, Bob Davis said, play it again, Sam, or something like that. You just, just Things just stick, you know they what do. I mean? Yeah. But does anyone call you coconut now except me? <laughs> Everybody does. Yeah. I've got to explain that my name's Neil Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, 
you retired at a pretty young age at 29. At 29 now, you know, or when Pavlich was 29, when Carey was 29, they were all at their peak. But in those days, 29, was that uh, just about it? Did, was that accepted well, that, you know, you'd had your go? You'd been there for 12 years, so you'd been there as a kid. Well, yeah, that's right, Rex, but I had a lot left. I might have even got to the grand final in uh, 65 or yeah. or so, but I'll be quite honest, I've had a fallout with Alan Jeans. Did you really? Yeah. Um, we uh, It was very unfortunate. We, we had a bit of a religious war going. Um, there was a split in the club, and uh, we unfortunately took sides. It was the greatest waste of time that you've ever seen, and the, the, the problem was that... Alan wasn't responsible, and neither was I. Yeah. But it came from above. Yeah. The committee split, and the committee, and of course, the faction just split down, the club down. Came down. And uh, can't possibly be successful. There, no, can you? no, absolutely. Yeah. So I said to him, Alan, I've, I met him uh, after uh, the start of the '63 season, and I said, Alan, what about a? Um, could I get a shift? I'm centre half back, and I rely. I haven't got a lot of ability, but I rely on my athleticism. I'm getting a bit older, and I'm on, usually playing on the best player in the other side. Yeah. Uh, could I? And I'd been playing with Bulldog in the centre, swapping over, and we were getting seven goals between us. Wow. He was getting six. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but it was magic to play with a fellow like that. I said, give us a bit of a fresh man yeah. up and... Send me somewhere else and no give me a break. And he said, oh, I don't think so. No. So I went straight out and signed uh, in the car with Lou Richards and Ron Casey. Going to so. get to that, you know, because uh, <laughs> a lot of people would better know you as uh, Sunday lunchtime when, look, so many, it must feel really good for you to hear people say they used to get the Sunday lunch because that's what it's all about. Families getting yeah. together. Mum makes a roast. We all sit down and we watch World of Sport. It must have been just a great time of your life. Tell us, tell well, us a bit about it. Well, I'll tell you for a start how unimportant money is we did that for 50 or bob davis uh jack dyer and lou they all had contracts we didn't yeah you know the ruthvens and the andrews and skeeter coglins and so forth and uh anyway we we performed for 15 bucks a weekend 15 dollars goodness man and we it went on for years and years and it was only because we didn't ask for a rise one yeah. day i did ask casey for a rise and he said, if you've come to talk about getting more, forget it. If you come to t- talk about getting less, well, I'll listen. Is that a fa- <laughs> yeah. fair thing? But it was just an institution. It was yeah, just, uh, it was, you know, the, the, and, the th- and I think blokes like you and later on McKenna and Newman, uh, these blokes, Don Scott, you played it beautifully because you knew the stars were Richards, Davis and Dyer and, of course, uh, Ron, Sir Ron Casey was the man who kept it all together. Oh, it was, it was marvellous. No, no script, but you all knew about the, the technical term that Sam Newman says is theatre. Theatre. And to entertain people. Mm. Well, that, oh, well, he's got uh, loads of that. Yeah. And he's marvellous at it. The big thing is that it emanated from the Phoenix Hotel. Did it really? Everything seemed to emanate from there. Lou was there. Jack used to drop in and have a drink, of course. He used to drink at Rowie's too. But yeah. Friday afternoon there, was that was the font. Yeah. That was the crucible. That was the and watering we, hole for the, uh, for the Sun the News Pictorial as well, wasn't it? Yeah, thing. they'd all get there. And then you go to sports nights and one thing feeds the other. Then yeah. the, the written media feeds the television and, and so it goes. So yeah. you, you know, things went on at the, at the Phoenix and they came up on the telly. But what a what a freak thing it was to be able to mix with blokes like 
Dyer and Richards, who were very, very smart people, Rex. Yeah, yeah. They weren't educated, but they were smart. Yeah. And, uh, and they were sharp. And conceptually, they were brilliant. And they could pick up things in a trice and yeah. have an answer in another trice. Neil, attending a funeral at any one of Tobin Brothers' 21 chapels is now just a phone call away. <laughs> Won't do you much good if you're stiff. <laughs> Those unable to be at a funeral in person for reasons of illness, cost or tyranny of distance. Tyranny can still be there in voice by recording a telephone tribute the day before the service. For more information, go to thetobinbrothers.com.au or call 93737000. You nearly had to get the services of the Tobin brothers when you for a sportsman's night with Juan Barassi in the Western District. Yeah, Pauline we... Hanson, please explain. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about it is that uh, it's okay to have a sleep in the car as long as it's not the driver. The driver. <laughs> <laughs> it was overconfidence by Ron. He overconfidence, said, really. Yeah, yeah, well, I know the road home, he said. I said, well, why don't we go home by road? <laughs> It was a nasty thing. Could have taken both your lives. Yes, it could. We were. I mean, uh, take you a long time to get. Have you t will you take it to your grave? Some of the injuries. No, you won't. No, I forgot it the next day. Did when you I really? come out of hospital, the first thing I wanted to do was to take Ron on a trip in the car. Yeah. We went and did a, a sporty up at uh, Buxton. I knew the road well because I'd taught up there. Yeah. And I said, Ron, sit there, and I've got a, a brand new Volkswagen, and I'm on this road. And it's dark, and I turned the lights off. And I, I drove for about five minutes and watched him squirm. Goodness gracious <laughs> and, me. Now, we're coming to the end of our time, but uh, I was going to mention Antarctica, but I want to mention, first of all, your love of seabirds, your, uh, your, your, eff your efforts to save the albatross from fishing methods that are taking their lives. Are you making any progress? Well, thanks for asking that question, because it's very near and dear to me. I've got that project and a swimming program going on in Vietnam teaching kids to swim. Wonderful. Because in, uh, in 2011, 15,500 children died on the South China Sea oh, coast no. from drowning. Goodness. With their parents leaving them there while they go to work and yeah. pick them up at night if they're there. But the albatross, I'm in love with the albatross. It's a marvellous bird. I heard yesterday on the, on the air that they, 10 times to the moon and back, is the journey of an albatross. He stays at sea for 20 years mm. he, before he goes to... They hate the land to go to the land to breed. So uh, we've got a baiting device. You'd be wrapped in this thing. It's a, it's a, a baiting capsule which uh, sends out all these night lines from the South American, Uruguayan, and some of them are 100 kilometres long, and they've got drop lines on them. Yeah. And they had the old drop line... Uh, it went. It was nine feet, and they they could see it and they could reach it. So they could dive down and get hooked and drown. Yeah. That, and of course, no one wants that. But we've got thirty foot drop lines now, and they ah. can't see anything. And they cost ten thousand each, and we've put about six or seven already on on the backs of these ships. Isn't We're educating the captains, and it's going magnificently. And uh, the doctor, Dr. Robinson, he's just magnificent. Uh, he's, a, he's a biologist who's just devoted his life to the whole thing. And all the, you know, all the rookeries are filling up again. Isn't all that the wonderful? numbers are coming back. You know, so that bloke's, uh, you know, Dr. Robinson is fantastic, but so are you because that is just a great uh, thing. 
in your life. But what a life it's been, and we thank you for your time today. You know, uh, perhaps before you go to Tobin Brothers, we can get you back another time and talk about uh, desert boots. We can talk about, you know, <laughs> you forgetting where you live, all that sort of stuff. But yeah. Neil Roberts, you are a champion both on and off the field, and thank you for being my guest today on This Is Your Football Life. Pleasure, Rex. Neil Roberts, an absolute champion of this particular code and this particular life. And if you'd like to hear the extended version of this interview, check out facebook.com, Tobin Brothers Funerals, or follow us on Twitter at Rex Football Life. Join us next week from 7.30am Sunday morning on 11.16 SEN.